0: As football returns to Europe, a legend leaves Europe and a somber day in the NFL. Welcome to the Two Half Show. Hello, people, and welcome back to your weekly edition of the Two Half Show. Uh, we are here today recording it just in the middle of the New Year's fixtures in the Premier League. We've just seen Manchester United, a comfortable 3-0 win over Bournemouth at home, and Arsenal lead leaguers drawing 0-0 with with Newcastle. Uh, we'll discuss some of the fallout from the last couple of days in the Premier League and some sad news uh, in the NFL that we need to cover as well. We'll come on to that in the second half of the show. I'm joined as always by my co-host Osama. Osama, how are you doing
1: today? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, it's been a busy day for both of us, so we are recording this a little bit late today. But let's quickly talk about the games that we've just seen, actually. So it, in a weird way, it's it's been quite a significant day for Manchester United, and it might go under the radar because their performances have been going under the radar, but they now solidified that fourth spot position. Uh, the win and the draw in the other game, have seen them go level on points with Newcastle, nine points behind league leaders, Arsenal now uh, but crucially five points clear of Spurs seven points clear of Liverpool and ten points clear of Chelsea. Osama what's been your main highlight from the last couple of days of, of the Premier League of course we'll come to Liverpool your team uh, we need to probably talk a bit more detail about them but which talking point has really stood out for you?
1: Uh, I think there's two teams um, I probably want to highlight uh, the first being Tottenham Hotspur and the shock defeat to Aston Villa. A lot of Spurs fans are now saying that they either want Conte out or they want Levi out.
0: What i found weird is that it, it kind of feels that like Conte wants Conte out.
1: <laughs> no, I think Conte has been Some truthful. Some of the things
0: that he's saying is, is like almost asking to be fired.
1: No, but it, it's because obviously, look, the fans are going to be on Conte. And Conte's trying to say to the fans, look, I'm trying my best to kind of convince the board to let them sign the players that I want. Now, they don't agree with that. How is it my fault that I can't... I'm doing the best I can with the team that I have. And you kind of feel sorry for him in a way where...
0: But they, they did argue that they won the, the summer transfer window. Like, we can't forget that they had a big transfer window and they did get him a lot of the players that he wanted.
1: No, exactly. But then, like like you he said, he, he said he needs 250 to 70 million players to kind of push a team from fifth to challenging for the Premier League, what Tottenham fans want. Now, if you're not consistently investing into players in the market how are you supposed to improve that squad? Now look at him look you've got the likes of Hurricane now he's probably been their best player this season in terms of from the attacking threat Son Heung-min has had an absolute shocker this season He's been quiet I don't he, think no, it's a no, shocker no, no.
0: because I th- I'll tell you why I don't blame him I, I think Conte's not utilising him because Conte doesn't isn't a big fan of that kind of winger he he likes the hard-working ones a bit more the Perisic yeah, type but, a bit more than, than the Son one and I think no with the player that Son is, I don't think he's utilising him right.
1: No, but I think his, in his first season, he's done really well with um, Son. I think he, he got top goal scorer uh, in the Premier League, and that's with Conte. And you're telling me less than six months down the line after that summer, he's had a shocker in terms of and I can performing. I can
0: argue the same thing. Like You can't tell me that a guy who won the Golden Boot less than six months ago is suddenly
1: the problem. No, no I'm Surely not saying he's the a manager. Problem, but no, he has to take blame in it. How, how How is a manager... Yeah, but
0: Conte has to take a big part of the blame. You, If you have a player that was the top scorer or the joint top scorer, you have to find a way to utilise him better than you did.
1: But there's sometimes in-game in aspects, certain players, because they're world-class or in the calibre of becoming world-class or having the potential to be like Son is, he has to think outside the box now. Like The manager has set him up in a way where he's trying to utilise him and Kane, where Kane drops into that false nine position and Son obviously... Kind of uses the inverted striker position and becomes a. Uh, but uh, it's because he's really the only one.
0: There's no balance, and I think I think that's probably. It's listen. It's an interesting point, and I, I think Spurs as a team are are in free fall. I think Conte's comments don't help. If you're a player and you're seeing him make the comments he does, that doesn't motivate you or galvanize you. I think they're in free fall, and it it wouldn't surprise me to see Conte leave at some point. I think I think there's a good chance a lot of their top players leave if they don't make the Champions League this season because I think the expectation was there for them to cement a place, especially with how at the start of the season they would have looked at some of the rivals and, and, and thought they've they've weakened. Um, you know, I, I'm a bit biased. I do think it's been a big uh, couple of games for Manchester United, and uh, I think the the benefit of playing all the big teams early on is showing now where you have a run of easier games and you can get the wins under your belt and. Add the points, tally and watch yourself go up the league table. And the the top four, the 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 most positive thing for me, and I think a lot of the friends uh, agree on this, is that we're not playing to our full potential and we're still getting points and results. And a lot of our team, especially the front line, apart from Max Rashford, most of the front line probably doesn't get into a lot of the rival teams. So I think I'm very happy with the performances. And uh, the best thing, I, I just like how we're doing it under the radar. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, we're going to challenge for the title or whatever, but I do think it's very open, uh, the title race this year, and it will be, I reckon, because of City's early struggles, and Arsenal, of course, are in the catbird seat at the moment, Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can carry on that momentum. The big thing for me with Arsenal is that, of course, they are now, you know, they were seven points clear before this game, a City win will cut that deficit down to five, but they have to play Manchester City twice. Yeah. And I think that's the issue for for Arsenal. Uh, we saw a similar situation, I think it was Liverpool uh, and City when they were both obviously performing at an elite level. Liverpool... And, and you guys had to play them twice late on because the, the game got moved and yeah. it was eventually what cost you. So uh, we, might, we might see them as, a similar scenario. I think it's very early. Like Gary Neville said, well, we're not even halfway through the season. It feels later than it is because it's the new year. But, you know, Arsenal played 17 games.
1: There's still 19 games to go. No, true, but then I think there's a stat where I think that any team after the first 16 games who've got 43 or more points have gone and, and won the title. A lot, so of, these stats, of, a lot of these stats, Arsenal. though,
0: a lot of these stats are uh, uh, very misleading. I saw one, for example, saying a team has never been top by seven points in the new year and not won the league title. I mean, like, okay, yeah, technically that's true, but then we've seen Manchester United eight points clear in March and not win the league title so it's like yeah. it, it, I think it's it's a weird season and I think because of the level of performance from a lot of teams is very similar this year compared to the past where Liverpool and Man City have run away with it I think it's quite interesting. Speaking of Liverpool though the the struggles continue and I think we've spoken about it a lot because what we've seen happen is they go through a run of really bad form then they change it around a little bit for two games but then again the issues arise again. And with this, it feels a bit different because after the World Cup, I don't think you guys have been impressive. No. Uh, and I think the Leicester game was a very lucky one that may maybe papered over the cracks a little bit. The midfield is such an obvious issue for anyone watching.
1: Uh, I think without a doubt, I think it's... Uh, there was a stat that I read where mm. Liverpool have only signed one midfielder in Thiago in the last four and a half years. Wow,
0: that's, that's, uh, that's almost as bad as Chelsea's.
1: No, nah, honestly, that goes to prove... The, th- the way that Klopp sets up to play with his high intensity, he needs legs in midfield. And I think if you look at the Liverpool squad, it's an aging midfield, like everyone says. And they can't have, for example, you play on the Wednesday, you're running, let's just say, 10 or so K per player in the middle. Now you've got a couple of days rest and you're back in again Saturday, Sunday. I think it's too much for these aging players. And it's, it's kind of sad to see where we've had years of. Overachievement with Klopp, um, and I think the lack of investment in the midfield area has now kind of cost Liverpool, and it's catching up to him.
0: Uh, yeah, th- that's the issue, isn't it? That there's investment in every other part of the pitch. Yeah, and there hasn't been in the midfield. Of course, we've seen defensively. There's there's been significant spending in the in the defensive positions. Canate, uh, probably the most recent significant one. There, he didn't have a good game at all against uh, uh, against Brentford. He yeah. he really didn't have a good game. But it's like you said, the, the the investment has gone in the attack and, and the defence, but nothing on the midfield. And it's very plain to see. Very, very plain.
1: I think there's one player that we need to highlight we've not, in a way, replaced. And ever since he went, it was Gini Wijnaldum. Now, last season, Liverpool were on the verge of a quadruple. Um, they ended up coming with two. Now, if you look at that midfield, the way that we changed uh, our play was way different compared to when Genie Henderson and Fabinho were playing where it was full throttle, pushing from the front. You've got Genie and Hendo, both box, box to box, getting in there. But now, if you think about it, you're playing... Last season, we played 63 games in the Premier League. Now, you've got...
0: You mean across all competitions? Yeah, sorry.
1: Uh, yeah, across all competitions. And it's only so much until the players actually start feeling the effects of Klopp's full-on intensity. And
0: yeah, it's a very intense way to play, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think due to the lack of investment, he's had to keep one or two players in the team and not get rid of him because you can't really do too much about him. Like, for example. Yeah, like
0: Jordan Henderson, I think, I, I think he's been a very good servant and, and James Milner falls into the same category. Yeah. He's been great for you, but I think we've seen the great teams rotate when they're at the top, buy new players and change when they're yeah. at the top. And I think, you know, in the Manchester City team or Manchester United team of old, he would have been rotated out by now for a younger, more talented player. And I think... You, you, the squad is getting to that that point, and you know whether that investment is still available after the signings already made. Uh, it might come down to the new owners now. Carragher made a weird comment about it's you know <laughs> they don't need new owners, and I, I I I kind of feel he 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 felt, in my opinion, he said that because he felt he was stuck in a box because of what he said about Manchester United in the past, mm. and he felt like he can't criticize the owners because he's refused to criticise the Manchester United owners in the past. Whereas, we know the owners want to sell Liverpool anyway, so it's not the most outlandish thing to to say that you guys probably would benefit from new owners. Yeah, of course.
1: I think without a doubt, um, you can tell that Liverpool need investment, and they need it badly right now. I think Klopp was saying that they can't really sign anyone else in this transfer window, uh, unless they get rid of players. Now, in this January transfer window, we've got an aging squad. Now, whichever player you sell, you're not really going to get more than twenty million at best. So it's not really going to benefit the team in terms of getting someone in. Now, if you're looking at a midfielder and most teams within Europe know that Liverpool are in need of a midfielder, their asking price is going to go up in January. They know that look, what's the point of us the more desperate you are, the yeah, higher the price exactly. goes so up. We've seen that many, many, many teams. A player that is that worth, that let's just say twenty-five to thirty million. You're gonna be asked they're for know. fifty, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they know that oh, these guys are desperate, they need a midfielder there's your price
0: and it's a position that my club has found itself in in the past uh, for sure Uh, even as recently as the summer so i think it's interesting to see how Klopp Klopp deals with this situation if i had to press you now i I know you predicted them to finish top four but if i had to press you now do you think liverpool make the top four
1: i still think they've still got a long way to go like you said there's 19 games left in the premier league season um so there's still games where we kind of turn it around change your style, you've got gag point. you've got more of attacking threat, and yeah, kind of finish your chances in the upper end of the field, but uh, it just depends on after the January transfer window whether Liverpool do invest in a midfielder.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the balance, I think, the balance between attack and midfield, and yeah. you know, on Fabinho, he plays older than he is just because I don't, I just don't think he's got the legs around him to be yeah, honest, so. I think
1: what, what's weird with Fabinho is that two years ago, he was in, in the talks of top five, maybe top, top ten easily, as one of the best centre-defensive mids.
0: He was probably argument in top three, to be fair. Yeah, the argument was that, at least. The
1: drop-off that he's had in the past year or so, it's honestly shocking to see how someone of that calibre has dropped to this low of a standard. And I don't know what it is, whether it's the fitness, whether it's too much intensity from Klopp, but he needs to kind of work in himself and kind of the whole team work on themselves and improve as a team.
0: Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. So we'll see how that goes. Um... Seen as we are past the new year, and you know we're not quite halfway through the, the season. A few teams are on eighteen games, but most teams are on seventeen. But I just want us to kind of go through the the top performers uh, in the league this season, because I think it's quite varied compared to other seasons where it's just been the top two, like I mentioned. I want to see what your team of the tournament or team of the Premier League season so far is. Uh, what we'll do: this is not like a draft like we've done previously. Just in your opinion, who who's who's the best in each position? Um, so we'll, we'll go through it one by one. What what formation do you think we should play a 4-3-3? Yeah, and then we can we... either have uh, you yeah. know two centimeters and a cam or three centimeters or a defensive centre mid. So let's let's start going through it and listen. We are biased guys, so don't blame us. I'm a United fan. He's a Liverpool fan. We're gonna have a little bit of bias, so you know, just cut us some slack. But uh,
1: Osama, goalkeeper, who 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 you having in the net? Uh, I think this might be. A weird shout, um, but I'm I'm sticking to Nick Pope.
0: I agree with you. I had I didn't think you would say that, but I I agree. I think um what I think he's for, a big part of what Newcastle. Done. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I think without a doubt he he walks into my team.
0: Yeah, I I I have to agree with you. I think Nick Pope for me has been uh, a crucial part of of that Newcastle, uh, almost resurgence into being on the European scene, and and I think they will continue to do so. Right-back is, is a tough one, I think, because I think there's been very good performances. I don't know whether there's been the consistency from many players uh, or played enough games. Who have you got or at right-back?
1: Um, I've gone for Ben White. Oh, interesting, interesting. Why have you gone for him? Um, I thought he's having a solid season at Arsenal. He's... You could say his natural position is a centre-back and he's come up through um, with Leeds and Brighton and, honestly, his early career as uh, Arsenal player was centre-back. But now he's adjusted to that position and... It looks comfortable. You don't see my position. Uh, for a right back, that's really good. He offers you all well going forward. And defensively, he's really solid.
0: I'm going to go for a player on a team that isn't performing as well. But the performances of the team without him have shown his quality for me. Okay. And that's Reese James. Oh, ah. And, you know, he's yeah, been injured for quite a bit, yeah. of course. But I think the difference between when he plays and when he doesn't play is, is ridiculous. And I think he's probably been Chelsea's best player alongside Thiago Silva this year. Um, but for me, he just gives me everything. Ben White is very good in that tactical setup that Arsenal have. But for me, with the level of going with the level of attacking play that Rhys James provides, I I just think that I'm, I have Rhys James. Uh, centre back. Which which two centre backs for you? Uh, stand out.
1: Uh, this one might be a weird one. Um, but I've gone for William slieber of Arsenal, and and Stephen Botman from Newcastle.
0: Uh, Bottmann hasn't played enough, or do you think he's played enough? Uh,
1: I think, honestly, he's been a, a stand-up player for Newcastle. Um, he's kind of dethroned Jamal Lassalle's. Uh
0: I'm going to go with uh, Saliba as well. I think he's come into that Arsenal defence, and he's performed to a high level, uh, to a point that a lot of people are calling him generational. Whether he is or not, we'll see how his career goes, but he's definitely uh, been one of the main reasons that they've been able to play the high line that they have. Uh, and he's been very impressive for Arsenal. So I do think uh, William Saliba goes there. For me, I'm going to have to have uh, Rafael Varane in there because ah, the difference with
1: Varane... I thought you'd say Martinez, to be fair.
0: Martinez has been very good. Rafael Varane and, spoiler alert, Casemiro have not conceded a single goal for Manchester United when they have played together.
1: But how many games have they played together? They've played
0: over 11 hours of football together now. Uh, Varane has uh, listen. Martinez has has been he's brought on a nice aggressive nature to to the team to the defense. Um, and I think his his ball playing ability is a big plus. Um, and his left foot nature is one of the things that Ten Hag likes about him. But for me, Varane just has shown a level of world class play that is is just far and above anything that we've seen in the Premier League this season, in my opinion. And he's shown it at the World Cup as well when he, started, uh, when he came back from injury into that France team. So uh, I am going to go for a French pair of uh, Saliba and Raphael Varane.
1: Left-back, who do you have? I think for a left-back position, uh, I think this, this player's kind of gone another era. He's had a, a really good World Cup for his nation. And yeah, he's carried on his form into the new year. And um, I think I have to say Luke Shaw. I, really I don't.
0: I don't think that he's gone the radar at all. I think he's he's put himself in the top three left backs in the world, in my opinion, this season. In the world is a massive. Yeah, stay, I I think. I think he's he's been incredible this season. But I, I don't. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm. Carry on your point. Carry on your I point. I think yeah.
1: I think he offers you everything. Um, defensively now he looks really stable, and he's got his fitness back where a couple of years before he looked a bit stocky, kind of getting a bit leggy where later on in the match he's kind of tearing out, but. This season it looks sharp, man, and um, yeah, you United know, have got a really good back four now. I, 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 I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm, I want to put Luke Shaw in, but I feel like uh, that'll be too biased from me. But what I will say on him is that you doubted whether I said when I said top three. Okay, can you name me three to five left backs that have been better this season? Left uh, backs.
1: I think one of them I have to say is Fernand Mendez of Real Madrid.
0: Ferland Mendy? Yeah. yeah. Ferland Mendy who didn't get picked for France. That Ferland Mendy.
1: Yeah, the same Ferland Mendy. Um, Interesting. Secondly. Okay. So there's the Theo same Ferland
0: Mendy who isn't... Theo Hernandez, is defa- have you seen him defensively? Defe-
1: he's a, he, but he plays left-back.
0: I was going to try and, and be non-biased and, and so on, but do you know what? I'm I'm going to agree with you and just say Luke Shaw because I genuinely don't think there's been a better left-back in the league. I'm looking at it. Zinchenko's been in and, in and out of the Arsenal team and he hasn't impressed a lot of Arsenal fans. Tactically, he's been very good, but I don't think whether he's been as impressive as Luke Shaw has been, even in output-wise. Manchester City, you know, the Cancelo. Manchester City don't have a stable left-back. You know, Ake's played there a lot. Cancelo's played there a lot. So, because of that, I I think it has to be Luke Shaw. Uh, Just on that, but more than that, even for all the points that you said as well, uh, I do think his top three left-backs in the world, at least. Um... Moving on to the midfield. So, three-man midfield. Let's just do the midfield altogether. Um, I'll go first. And I've taken out a United player that I wanted to have him because I do feel like I'm coming across a bit biased here. But um, I'm going to go for Casemiro. Okay. I'm going to go for Odegaard. And I'm going to go for De Bruyne. I think that's uh, a very nice, balanced
1: uh, midfield three.
0: What about you? Who are you having in your midfield three?
1: Yeah, I think same two players, but... Instead of Casemiro, uh, I've gone for Thomas Partey. Yeah, I think um, Thomas Partey has been like a massive rock for the Arsenal team. He gives them that balance where he allows the more attacking players in terms of Granit Xhaka and Odegaard to kind of push up further up the pitch and he'll kind of stabilise the midfield and defence. So I think, yeah, he has to go in there. And obviously, like you said, it has to be Odegaard and Kevin De Bruyne.
0: Yeah, Odegaard. Kevin De Bruyne uh, up until the World Cup, he's been a bit off it Since the World Cup, but up until the World Cup, I thought he was the best, one of the best two, three players in the world. He was performing at such an elite level. Odegaard, uh, I'm, I'm, I, he's, he's my favorite Arsenal player. Like if you asked me, there was one or two players from the Arsenal team you could have in your team. Odegaard is the one for me because I just think yeah. he, he moves the ball so incredible. We've seen the pass uh, in the last game, not, not against Newcastle, but the previous game. Honestly, on the defensive mid, I have to disagree. I think Casemiro's come in, and I think even people who knew he was good. I've been surprised by just how elite he's been. Like for me, it's the passing, like the passing ability. A lot of people doubted he had, but he he gets the ball, he cleans up, and it's the first time pass. It's the first time vision that he's able to. It's the vision for the first time pass that he's able to to execute. That's been absolutely incredible, and I think with him, United have been able to express themselves more in the final third. And I think he's he's been crucial for Manchester United. The front three, Usama. Listen, the striker is the most obvious choice ever. So we both have Erling Haaland. I'm not even going to ask you. What? I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Erling Haaland has to go in there. Who have you got as your right winger and your left winger?
1: Yeah, I've got right-hand side of Bakayi Saka and left-hand side of Marcus Rashford, who has been exceptional throughout the start of the Premier League this season. I think he's taken his form into the World Cup and. Obviously, he's been England's top goal scorer. And still after the World Cup, he's come back in and still shown that he's still got everything. And yeah, I think he looks really sharp and what he's done throughout the summer, the extra training kind of pays off.
0: Yeah, not to be boring, but I, I, I agree. I, I think, listen, Rashford, he's come back from the World Cup, scored f- four goals in his four games. He's, we mentioned it on the podcast the other, the other week. I don't think he's back to his best. I think he's actually playing the best football he's played in his career. I think he's going to have the best output season. I think he's taken himself to the next level and we've seen the calibre of teams that are coming in for him. As a United fan, he's our only world-class forward. Like, from that front line, when you take him out, we've seen it in the first half against Wolves when he's not playing, the difference in, in the attack is absolutely huge. Uh, of course, we need to still get a nine to, to help him even more. I think that will that will improve his playmaking game even more. I I, I think... A special shout out to Martinelli. Now, you know, I'm not Martinelli's biggest fan, but I do think he's been exceptional on the left wing for Arsenal. Yeah, his output hasn't been as good as um, Rashford's, uh, despite playing more. But he he's been very good for Arsenal. And I think he's probably exceeded expectations. And then on the right, I think I agree with you. Uh, no brainer. I think. But Saka. I think with Saka, I've I've liked his game as he's as we've seen him kind of come through the ranks at Arsenal. But the one thing for me has always been. I need you to give me an output. I don't want to just mm. see you play well on the ball. I want you to actually give me goals and assists. And I think he's taking his game to the next level and he's starting to to give that output to uh, for his team, which is very good for him and Arsenal. It's one of the main reasons Arsenal have been uh, the way they are. Uh, and he's really taking his game to the next level. So I think that that front three, imagine you could put that front three in an All-Star game. That is ridiculous, wow. bro. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Haaland, Rashford running off him, Saka creating, Wow. But yeah, uh, guys, tell us who you would have in your team of the season so far for the Premier League as we near the halfway point. Moving on to the NFL, and uh, yesterday was quite a sad day for the NFL community as a whole. Uh, The game, of course, was in the middle of the night, so waking up to the news that the the game had to be stopped, uh, and rightfully so, as Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills' safety, suffered a... Cardiac arrest following a hit uh, in the first quarter of the game. The medical staff was able to, they were able to give him CPR and uh, revive his heartbeat, but he remains uh, in hospital in critical conditions. It's, it's a sight that we've seen in, in football previously, Osama, where players have collapsed due to a cardiac arrest. Uh, and there's been a lot of medical. Uh, discussions in the last 24 hours regarding the reasons why it happened and it's quite a, a rare occurrence what happened to DeMar Hamlin but it's something we've seen in football but this was the first time it's happened in an NFL game and I think that's the reason why it's really struck home we've seen today the US sports media it's it's been the story of the day and it's quite sad to see that a young man with his yeah. career ahead of him is now fighting for his life isn't
1: it? Yeah I think it's uh, it's scary how Sometimes one incident can shake up a whole sport, And I think it's really worrying where health can kind of be overlooked. And I think in this incident, uh, I think the NFL has done really well by kind of postponing the game and kind of canceling the game. Where beforehand, within football itself, for example, we don't really see that. Um, Especially, for example, in previous incidents like Christian Eriksen that happened within the Euros. and yeah, like like fair play to the NFL. Like hats off to you guys for actually calling out a massive health problem for the player himself, and kind of thinking more about one one person and his family and the consequences that it can have, rather than just thinking about the money that they can make from advertisement or sponsors. It's, yeah, hundred
0: really percent. And and there was you know some people tried to blame the NFL and so on, but. You know, a lot of that was unfounded. The NFL, like you said, did the right thing. They they took, they realized kind of the the situation that the players and the coaches found themselves. in. there's no way that you, as a player, are going to go out and and be able to focus on plays and things when you know your teammate is literally fighting for his life. And it puts things in perspective. Of course, it shows you that a lot of things are are bigger uh, bigger than sports. And like you mentioned, it it gives us a bit of a throwback to the Christian Eriksen scenario, where of course we've seen his partner come down from the stands. Uh, worried about him, uh, dumar Hamlin. a Similar situation with his mother coming down to to go with him in the ambulance, and we we wish him a speedy recovery. I, I, for me, it's also shown the the the, the better side of humanity, where yeah. of course he he set up a charity uh, ahead uh, a couple of years ago, and what we've seen is a, a large overdrive of support for this charity. That the target was only a couple of thousand pounds for it. It was like a, a children's charity, uh, and and over the last 24 hours, that figure's gone over $3 million. So uh, a shout out to the the NFL community for coming together. Uh, and in moments like this, it was the game of the year. It was, it was the biggest game of the year. It was going to decide many things for the playoffs. It was a, a game important for multiple teams, for the two teams playing and for the Chiefs. But in that moment, all of that becomes unimportant. And however the league wants to deal with it now, I'm sure they're going to take the correct steps. And... I think the Bills should be the team that kind of is asked what they want to, to to happen now, whether they want the game to be just given as a tie or, you know, I I don't think there's the situation calls for the game to be to be replayed. So the main thing is we hope that Demar Hamlin recovers uh, as soon as possible, and I don't think this is the end of his playing career. I think this was one of them freak accidents rather than a serious injury or something. But of course, the main thing isn't playing. The main thing is that he he survives this and he pulls through for his uh, family and friends it's it's hard to kind of talk about the game after a situation like that but it was yeah. an important of course incident that we had to we had to talk about especially its relevance uh, in the NFL community um and i think because of that we're kind of probably going to we were going to talk about a number of the NFC teams not performing but i think because of this incident we're going to give it the respect it deserves at the moment it deserves an we're kind of just going to leave it there for now uh, on the NFL side of things, and of course next week we hope to come to you with news that Damar has has recovered, uh, and and maybe then we can resume our coverage of the NFL as as we would like, but however the moment isn't right right now. Finally, to to finish the the NBA, uh, it was a big night yesterday for Donovan Mitchell. We saw a big night from uh, we saw we saw a big night from. Luka Doncic last week, uh, yeah. getting a 60-20-10. Crazy feat. And just last night, we saw another amazing feat from Donovan Mitchell, who went for 71 points in very similar fashion, where he dragged his team to overtime in the fourth quarter and then carried through performing in the overtime to win the game for the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers, of course, performing incredibly well. Uh, they're now, you know, solidly in the playoff on the fourth seed behind Milwaukee, the Nets, and Boston. Uh, Impressive performance from Donovan Mitchell, who's really kind of, a lot of people thought when he was at Utah, that is he a superstar? Is he not a superstar? And a lot of people mentioned that he might need to make a move to show that. And he's gone to the Cavaliers, who are a team that didn't have any stars, but they had a lot of good young players. And he's become the main man there. And he's really, really showing it and performing and putting them in a good position.
1: Yeah, I think his his game uh, yesterday was like, immense he's had seven to one points 11 assists eight rebounds like that's the most by any Cavs player in a single game
0: exactly and we have to think that and lebron played yeah, for the Cavs twice I, so that's an incredible feat
1: and w- what's even more like crazy is that he had 71 points kobe's iconic points tally highest points tally is 81. he's the second player to get the most points in this entire century next to kobe now now of course That's you a know crazy stat, this right.
0: century when we say this century because of course we are referring yeah. to the, the famous World game.
1: Yeah, so it's it's crazy how we were all in awe of Luca uh, just last week. And I think we have to give credit and appreciation to Donovan Mitchell who's kind of like you said, gone to um not a weakened team but um a less superstar team and he's become their number one player within the team and yeah if you're dropping 17 points without a doubt you're having the game of your life um whether he either gets these numbers back up i'm not too sure but yeah i think you just have to give him the credit that is due and yeah long may he continue for the cubs
0: it shows listen it shows that uh his status now uh, as the as the superstar and uh the the good point that you mentioned is of course this has not been done before in cavalier's history and I, I, whether they have enough to really challenge the top teams, it might be a year too early. I think uh, a lot of their younger players might need a year of experience in the playoffs to really challenge. I think what it does show is that sometimes letting LeBron go can be the right thing because then you can rebuild the right way rather than being in the situation the Lakers are in now. Um, but you know, speaking of which, we'll come on to that, the, the Lakers don't seem to be a team that's going to make the playoffs. They might sneak into the play-in, but it doesn't look like it. However, LeBron James is performing at an all-time level for someone of his age. Yeah, He's in year 20, he's 38. Of course, we know he, he came into the year earlier than a lot of people did historically because he went straight from high school. However, he's in year 20. He's in year 20. And he's
1: still dropping performances. And know? he's
0: dropping points totals that, that are absolutely crazy consistently. Mm. You know, 43. He dropped 43 last night to carry the, the the Lakers to a win. We've seen him before that in the game against the Hawks, dropping 47, uh, close to a triple-double in that one. So he's really, really performing. And I think the one thing it does show, despite these performances sometimes, is that they're, they're not always enough to win the game. And I think that's probably the age factor. But at the same time, it's crazy that someone of his age is doing this, isn't it?
1: Who I can compare LeBron to? I think it's probably Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of the footballing uh, era. I think how these two athletes have kind of conditioned their bodies and kind of kept themselves to play at such a high elite level um, game year in, year out. Um, And it just goes to show that the longevity that these guys have and the the legacy that they will have on either sport it's crazy. Um, Like you said, unfortunately, obviously Lakers aren't having the best of seasons and obviously he's been the standout player this year um in terms of dropping the performances that he has been doing. But it, it's kind of like a, a damp dampner in his legacy where you think can he push Lakers to get into the playoffs? It seems a bit tough but yeah. Uh, I, I think, think it's especially just with the team that he has around him. I don't well, know.
0: Especially with Anthony Davis being injured the way he is, it does make it a lot tougher for him. Of course. And yeah. The, the I don't think I personally don't think that LeBron's free of blame for the situation the Lakers find themselves in because he pushed them very, very much so for, for the Russell trade and so on. So I don't think he's free of blame, but at the same time, it is sad to see that he's performing at this level and it probably won't be enough. And listen, yeah. AD could come back and if AD performs like he did pre-injury, where he's shown that he's gone back to a level that a lot of people saw him in, in the past, then the, of course the Lakers can make the playoff. But even then, a player front is, is very unlikely. Unless with LeBron, anything can happen. But I, I like the comparison that you made regarding the the comparison to Ronaldo as in how they are two athletes, essentially. Yeah. And I think that's the difference in, in football and basketball is that basketball is all about how athletic you are. Mm. And because he's managed to keep himself at a supremely athletic level, he has continue to perform at this level even despite his age in a, in, a, in a sport that is more physically demanding than any other sport it's the most physically demanding sport out there so shout out to LeBron and listen of course many people have him as their goat for good reason and the longevity and the legacy he has shown uh, will only add to that so we will see how the Lakers do once Anthony Davis returns guys Thank you, as always, for tuning in into the Two half Show. Uh, it's been a mixed bag, of course, this week, um, but we look forward to to coming to you again next week. Osama, thank you for joining me, as always.
1: Uh, it's a pleasure, as usual, man.
0: And, of course, guys, don't forget to like, share, uh, and subscribe. Until next week, keep it locked.